2: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: This is Cork Today. Cork Today with JP McNamara on C103. Cork Scream!
3: And a very good morning. Our lines are open 1850 333 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And ahead on this morning's programme, we're going to hear, and we heard earlier this week, uh, Crosshaven and the reports there of antisocial behaviour in and around the Crosshaven area. Well, it's now James Fort in Kinsale. It's becoming uh, what people are describing as a party central at the weekends. And we're going to speak to one local councillor because their fear is with litter and rubbish being thrown around the place and then you have the majority of people who are working during the week will go visiting at the weekend. They will arrive on to that area of Kinsale and if they go and see uh, barbecues and rubbish and beer cans lying around it may turn them off from visiting the area again. They don't want a knock-on effect, a bad knock-on effect for tourism. So we'll hear and we'll speak with Councillor Maria Sullivan on the show very shortly. Also demand is growing for tickets for this year's All-Ireland Hurling Final and it's leading to Cork GAA fans to send in letters and checks to the uh, GAHQ here in Cork uh, looking for these tickets to the All-Ireland Final but and many of these might be, uh, you know, ex-Cork football and hurlers uh, and people who have been involved with the GEA. But things have changed and this year uh, they won't be sending things out the way they used to, as in they won't be taking checks for tickets. They used to do this a number of years ago, but with everything going on between COVID and whatnot, things are changing this year. Uh, clubs will be receiving their allocation as they do each and every year for the All-Ireland Final. But we'll be chatting to PRO Joseph Blake of Cork GEA on what they are receiving while they need to tell fans not to be sending in cheques looking uh, for tickets and letters looking for tickets for the All-Ireland final. We'll speak to him this morning on the programme. And also a really interesting conversation we're going to have after 11 o'clock and this is on the Gulf Stream. And there's a lot of talk this week on climate change. But the Gulf Stream, which we're very familiar with here in Cork, uh, the effects can be largely felt in West Cork and South Kerry. You'll be familiar with that if you've ever uh, been to parts of... South Kerry and we know here very well Garnish Island, a typical example of Glen So uh, the talk is that while we all know what will happen with climate change and the coastal erosion and the effects that we've heard all week, the Gulf Stream could be potentially collapsing, which could lead to a massive change of temperature then for Ireland. We're going to speak with John Gibbons, who's an environmental journalist, and he also runs the website climatechange.ie. We'll hear from him later in the programme after 11 o'clock. And you're going to hear about... A new brochure for the Charnival area. And this is a bid uh, to attract the tourists and th- these tourists who like to go and visit areas of history and heritage. And they're hoping to attract that type of tourist to uh, the Charnival region. We'll hear about that this morning in the programme. Our movie review with Mark as well after 12.30. And we'll be continuing our series of Cork versus Covid. And we'll be hearing how the rollout of the vaccination programme has instilled confidence in many, including a group of business owners on French 3rd Street in the city centre. We'll be hearing uh, how they have continued during the pandemic. Our reporter Moray Tuik took a visit to the city centre over the week. That and more to come between now and one o'clock. Plus, we play bonus bingo on the programme. Details of that very shortly. But I mentioned yesterday regarding house prices and they're set to continue for the foreseeable future. And this mainly is not the usual way we see house prices increasing because now popular rural areas are outstripping urban neighbourhoods and the trend of working from home and the scarcity of properties to buy is driving boom prices and it's driving them up in, as we know, here in Cork in coastal areas and also across the country then in the border and midland counties. And experts are saying that many are swapping their urban homes for larger properties in more rural areas where prices then are lower than they would be for a smaller home in the middle of a city. But because of the chronic shortages of properties, uh, that is happening right across the state, the fastest rate of increases in nearly three years is underway across June, and seemingly, uh, prices now have gone up and up for ten months in a row, and no change there. And while that is happening, and we heard uh, from people across the week, and I was even giving examples yesterday of people I know who are looking to buy a house and they're bidding on houses, and you know they're having no luck, and they're bidding high prices, and yet they are outbid, and they're dream home and they could have four or five dream homes that they go and view but they get outbid in all of them and then they're dealing with the cost of rent which is increasing every time a rental increase comes around and Ronald Lyons is out this morning then and he has said and this is the economist Ronan Lyons that we need to build close to 50,000 homes in this country and we need to build them each year until at least 2050 if the housing stock is to reflect the current country's demographics so uh, that's the plan and that's the way housing is looking at the moment and consumers uh, we spoke to Derek Cassidy of Bonkers.ie earlier in the week about how energy prices are to increase uh, this winter and how you can combat those by switching around if you want to see if you can get a better deal and reduce the impact of the costs and and the high increases well consumers seemingly anyhow no matter what we do we're going to be hit by inflation and it's something that we always know happens no matter what happens over uh, a 10 year period you can guarantee you'll be hit with inflation but the basic goods are going to go up again this time and that is due to fuel expenses and the uh, prices we are seeing now for the increase in petrol and electricity and gas as we mentioned during the week uh, that will lead to an increase now in your grocery shop because things like bread are going to go up and uh, bread already seemingly has gone up by 3.3% have you noticed that the increase in bread and also prices in restaurants cafes and takeaways they rose 2.9% year on year the CSO revealed and that is going to increase due to the Increase in fuel. And a lot of talk uh, during the, the last week or so on Holy Communions and confirmations and the way the church were dealing with this. Well, a different type of news regarding the church is something that has come out from the Archbishop of Dublin that is Dermot Farrell. And he feels that Christians should look joyful and not carry a funeral face or a sour puss uh, when they go along to church. Uh, He says, Our bitter thoughts and actions seep into our faces and infuse words with a caustic bite. People notice when they look at us at Mass that we are a bunch of sour Face that we have a bunch of sour and not very happy faces, says the Archbishop Dermot Farrell. And this works both ways it works for those who are attending Mass service and also uh, for the priest uh, who is saying the Mass. And I know the Pope came out a few years ago and gave an indication to those who do conduct Mass and said uh, that, you know, to look happy because if you look sad, that will reflect on who is in the church. And now it seems to be working both ways. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody who who is involved in the church and who is maybe doing readings or uh, working in the altar, if they looked down, maybe a priest themselves, that they look down, do they feel that the. Congregation are looking a bit sad and have a sour puss. That you'll feel that when you go to mass, you just obviously not going to go in smiling. Maybe maybe some people do uh, if they see someone they know, but uh, that's coming up from the Archbishop uh, Dermot Farrell of Dublin not to be going to mass with a funeral face or with a sour puss. And it also works in the same in the other direction uh, for priests who are giving a homily or uh, saying the mass uh, for them to look happy. Anyhow, interesting uh, there from the Archbishop. And we heard during the week about Wally the Walrus. He was in Clonakilty Bay. Well, another rare visitor has touched down not here in Cork, but in Arklow in Wicklow on the Avoca River. And this is a great white pelican, and it took a lot of bystanders. Uh, well, there were didn't expect to see the pelican first of all, uh, but a large amount of locals did. Turn out to admire uh, the large pelican yesterday who was at the mouth of uh, the river and did attract a lot of people to go and have a look at him. And as we get older, a lot of people think that if they put on weight, it's all down to their metabolism. Well... Uh, You can rule that out. Uh, Everybody, when they hit the age of 30 or 40, if they put on the pounds, they uh, will blame metabolism and the middle age spread. But research being carried out by scientists across the world at this stage realised that our metabolism, it doesn't slow. It doesn't start to decline until you reach the age of 60. So when you hit 60, then you can blame your metabolism because then your metabolism, which does process everything going on inside your body, uh, such as your organs function and the amount of calories burnt each day uh, and your breathing and digestion it's all uh, all controlled by your metabolism but while everybody thinks that when you hit a certain age 30, 40 or even 50s that you know you can you get the middle age spread as it's called Uh, no you can rule that out scientists now confirming from research done through all the decades uh, that your metabolism doesn't hit you until the age of 60 so can you rule rule that one out when you're uh, giving excuses or we're all giving excuses about putting on weight 1850-333-103 Lines open You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. 103 And by the way I mentioned there About the All-Ireland tickets Here at C103 We're doing our bit To get behind The All-Ireland hurling finalists And we want you though To give us a helping hand Because Earlier in the week I noticed I saw a lot of flags Out and about In various areas Tom though uh, Who rang in to Bernie From North Cormac Said he felt Anyhow he didn't see A lot of flags Out and about But where I was I I did see them Anyhow uh, We're asking you now To show your support By decorating your house or business In the Cork area In the Cork colours We want you To go all out With flags With bunting And to get very creative And then when you have All your creativity done If you can watch WhatsApp your photos of your creation, and this can be of your house or your business. We will give you 500 euro to the best house and 500 euro to the best business we'd announce the winners on Thursday evening you can WhatsApp your pictures to 086 103, 103 then listen in all week and check us out online as well you can check out some of those pictures on the C103 socials and C103.ie so get creative over the weekend to win C103 and I mentioned there the bishop this is the Archbishop Dermot Farrell of Dublin who said people attending mass should look joyful and not carry funeral faces and it goes the same way for a priests who are Saying a Mass, or uh, if you're going to a service or whatever church you're going into. Well, on that, John says, The Archbishop of Dublin, does he want people to arrive at Mass in clown outfits? says John. While another person on WhatsApp says, What bishop wants us to draw a happy face on our masks at Mass? Uh, well, that's a very good point for that WhatsAppper. Many people, everybody going into a church now is wearing a mask, so you won't see their smile or what way they're, uh, they're um, conducting their face because it's covered with a mask. Maybe you smile through your eyes, not too sure. Anyhow, uh, thank you for that on WhatsApp and indeed on phones to Bernie 1850 333 Good point, though, if you are going to mass now, you're wearing a mask, so you won't see the, the post people are making. But Maybe he just wants people to be happy going to Mass. Regardless of what is under the mask, you can text or WhatsApp 862 103 103. Uh, Very shortly, we are going to be dealing with the issue of antisocial behaviour and indeed uh, what seems to be turning into a party central place at the weekend, James Fort in Kinsale uh, Bush every day this week. On the show, we are playing Bonus Bingo because you can now play C103 Bingo every day for cash prizes on C103. And to celebrate this, we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay thanks to the NCBI. Every day this week, I've been calling out three numbers across the show. What you have to do is at the very last hour of the show, when I call out the final number, you combine the total of those three numbers and you could be a winner. Uh, we'll be making the draw today of all those who qualified across the week. we we'll look for another qualifier today You could be in with a chance to win a €400 hotel voucher, and that can be used at any Clayton or Maldron hotel uh, right across Ireland. So your first number for today is number Nine, OK, number nine. Write that down. And if you want full details of how to play C103 Bingo, go to our website, c103.ie, and simply click C103 Bingo. I'll give you your second number after 11.
1: Record today on C103. Text or
0: WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
1: 086-2103-103.
3: We heard earlier in the week about anti-social behaviour in Crosshaven. Well, James Force in Kinsale has become like Party Central at Weekend's according to Councillor Marie O'Sullivan, who's based in Kinsale, and she joins me. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us. I presume this is people who were travelling to the area to party.
4: Yeah, it was was brought to my attention that there was a call-out on social media for a meet-up in Jamesport um, among teenagers and things like that. And I suppose, look, that area is very much a public area, which is used by families, and people take their dogs out for walks and things like that. And there's a great group of locals that always take it upon themselves to clean up that area in general and the Dock Beach. And they they do a fantastic job there. And, you know, it's it's more of a safety concern rather than anything else, John Paul, because as well we know, where there's water near, it's always a danger. And especially for people coming to an area when they're not used to living near the sea and they don't know the dangers of the sea.
3: And is it, it quite it's open in parts of, of James Fort? Well, James Fort
4: is quite open. I mean, you can access Jamesport from the dock beach or from, you know, mm, and yeah. it's it, it's very accessible. Uh, but the problem is is the rubbish that's being left there. There's glass being broken up there and people are actually leaving leaving tents after them there. And it's just not fair. And a group of volunteers who go up there just to keep their public space and their pride in the local area and they love to see it clean so that people can, everyone can enjoy it. So, it's look, it's down to personal responsibility and as well as that, I think it's down a bit to me, I'm a 19-year-old myself, it's down to parents to know where their kids are, you know, and just look, everyone wants an outdoor summer. We all want to enjoy it.
3: You and know? to know where, where they are heading to. And what I mentioned there about an open, an, an open area, yeah. I, what I meant was when they're in the forest and around that, is it very easy just to walk off a cliff? I presume it there's is, no look, fencing.
4: It, it is, it, yeah, I mean, it's down to the sea. Now, Cork County Council have put on, out extra boys around it. But I mean, if you're... Really not conscious of water safety and being near the, being around the water it 's not your usual environment you're not aware of the dangers you know and if you we all know ourselves somebody with a bit of alcohol in their system, you take a slip and it's very, very hard to recover from that and you know our we've excellent services in town between the Coast guard and everything, but really and truly what we want to avoid is getting these people out into situations that are, are dangerous you know
3: and are they staying overnight then in camping?
4: Exactly. Yeah. You know, the, guards, the the local guard has been excellent. They've been very vigilant at the moment and they're, you know, they're keeping an eye on the place. But really, I mean, it's up to people, you know, just to be aware of, of the area and where they are. And look, have respect. And I think, look, Jamesport is, is a heritage site. It's the OPW are in charge of Jamesport. And we want what we've asked for is the OPW as well to put up signs, you know, making people aware that it's a heritage site. Please respect us.
3: And you mentioned there about the rubbish left behind, such as beer cans, and I'm sure the the barbecue remains are left there too. I mean, then you have the issue of those who are visiting at the weekends, you know, right over Cork, who are going to this area of Kinsale. And the last thing they want to see is beer cans thrown down. It will give the wrong impression. It may turn them off from visiting that area. And for the Toddy towns and for all those in Kinsale who do so much for tourism, this is the last thing they want as well.
4: Exactly. And I mean, look, our council ground crew are fantastic in maintaining the town clean. The town is looking great. We, we welcome the visitors and we love to have visitors. But our own locals, like, they all enjoy that area very much as well. And, I mean, it's just the tidy towns are out there, every you know, during the week, cleaning up as well. And, it's look, it's both pride of place, and we do have pride of place in town. So we ask everybody who comes to town and wants to avail of the beautiful area that we have and that we're so lucky to live in to please to take pride in in the area as well you know and leave it as they found
3: it Yeah and you don't want people to be arriving see the mess and go we're never coming back here again and being a turn off for tourism that's the last you need to see
4: Absolutely and I mean especially when the locals are making such an effort to maintain the public spaces you know nice for everybody
3: And they're all young You, you reckon they're all teenagers
4: well, the, you know it is look, I live myself across the bay in in, in summer cove, and you can you can hear the noise from Jamesport like oh, okay. so you know
3: <laughs> it's a loud party, you know.
4: so yeah, it is it is you know, but look it's more it's a safety thing rather than anything else to be quite honest with you because i I would be concerned being so near the water you know, and people who aren't used to the water you know having it as a
3: party area Yeah we don't want to have a tragedy no. on one of the weekends no. for the remainder of this month uh, due no. to something like this uh, for the moment no. Marie thanks for joining us on that thanks hopefully this us. will send out the correct message and uh, those with, with yeah, young exactly. people going there that they will realise where they're going and exactly. also for those who are going not, not to destroy the area and not to do what they are doing there uh, exactly. well, for the moment Marie thanks for joining us thanks this morning uh, us. take care that is Councillor Marie O'Sullivan there who's based in Kinsale on the issue of what James Force at the week again as you heard she lives nearby it's becoming like party central Uh, but then the effects of that are they could be turning tourism away from the area and having rubbish again Uh, the bigger picture is that someone could just with a drink decide to wander too far and it could lead to a tragedy 1850 333103 lines open text or whatsapp 0862103103 and on the way as demand is growing for tickets to this year's All-Ireland Hurling final which is leading to many Cork GAA uh, fans they're sending in cheques and letters to GAA HQ here in Cork we're going to chat with their PRO, Joseph Blake, next About why fans basically don't need to do this And how, if you really want to go to the final, how you can obtain tickets That's next Cork GAA has asked fans to stop sending cheques for all Ireland hurling final tickets Joseph Blake is PRO of Cork GAA and joins me Good morning to you, Joseph
5: Good morning, how are you doing? Nicole? I'm fine,
3: thanks. So, this is what you're receiving in the post. It's letters with checks, and is it that people are begging for tickets?
5: Well, um, usually what used to happen, like, this would have always happened in the past. And what would have happened is you could have people outside of Cork who might have been involved with Cork J previously. You could have also had All Ireland medal winners who would always, senior All Ireland medal winners who would always be looked after in terms of tickets terms of getting two tickets, and they will send the cheque in the post. But I suppose look, what we're trying to do is stop all that now and just say, please, if they're communicating with the office, to communicate by email, and to any pay, to anyone who, would say, for example, a former player who is going to get tickets, they'll get a link uh, to the tickets, to be able to purchase the tickets, pay online, and download the tickets. So the days of getting the lovely, fancy tickets for the All-Iron Finals, they're gone. It will be all e-ticketing uh, due to COVID. So the you can either print off your ticket or use your smartphone, and that's the way the tickets will be done on the day in Claw Park.
3: So is it due to COVID, or is this the way forward? Do you think that everything well, will become e-ticketing?
5: Yeah, I think, well, I I don't know about you, John Paul, but I'd still like to have an All-Ireland final ticket. No, they're nice yeah. keepsakes, they're yeah. nice mementos, and in fairness, they're very well done by Claw Park. Island final tickets, uh, the imaging used. But I think definitely in terms of payments, what would be done is, let's say, for example, if you're getting tickets posted out to you, that uh, you will be able to pay from and probably the, the the payment will go directly to Crow Park instead of sex and everything else being handled by Cartier, that it would go directly to source. But um, this year it's going to be e-ticketing. I would hopefully think in years to come, that we would still go back to the old tickets, especially for All-Ireland Finals, where they are beautiful tickets and they're lovely keepsakes. You go into many public houses and people, you can... I know there's one there near Crow Park Guild and you see all these tickets from All-Ireland Finals going back 40, 50 years ago, along with the match programs. Um, They're they're great keepsakes to have, especially if if your team is the the winning team. So... um, Look, this year it's it's going to be e-ticketing only, from what I can gather. The clubs are being notified um, either Thursday or Friday of this week about their allocations. So hopefully, by the time people are listening to this, uh, the clubs are being notified. The vast, vast majority of the tickets will be distributed uh, through the clubs. So uh, it's just a little over a week to go now, so it's all system's go.
3: It is indeed, and for those that are sent to the clubs, are they then physically sent, or is this another e-ticket affair?
5: Yeah, it'd be e-ticketing, so the ins and outs of it now would be handled by the Clark G office. So um, the clubs will be notified how many tickets they're going to get. I'm sure that they're already doing up lists as to, uh, as to how they're going to distribute to, to the tickets to the clubs. So the, the, it all varies. Senior clubs get a certain amount, intermediate clubs get a certain amount, and then junior clubs get a certain amount, and then they're um, per affiliation. So say for my example, my own club, Abscord, we're only a, a single uh, affiliated club, so we don't only get X amount, while a club like, we just pick, saying Columns, who are only down the road for me, they're both hurling in football. They get, they, they get a dual allocation. They get double. Uh, they, get a, they will get two allocations because they're a dual club. So, at the go, get a single allocation. Uh, a dual club will get a, a dual, uh, a double allocation.
3: And then it's pressure from either members or others who will approach their local club and ask them if they have a ticket or, or, or the way a tickets are given out. It'd probably be different from club to club. But the pressure's on the clubs, then, really, isn't it?
5: Yeah, no, I would imagine it probably would be, we'll say, for example, committees, with say, a club executive, and then uh, it worked its way down, probably manage play- team management and players and all that, but um, it, there's always a kind of a mad panic at the start, uh, in t- at the start, of they all out, and finally just the tickets, the when actually getting your hands on them, and people don't actually believe they've got a ticket until they physically mm. have the ticket in their hand, because there's always last-minute scrambling, and I suppose the other thing to factor in, and people have to realise, is that it, we're only we're running at less than half capacity in crow park where normally you would have an 82,000 capacity we're only at forty thousand and on our and final day and then like crow park are going to have to they obviously have sponsors and their own obligations to meet so before the tickets are divided amongst cork and Limerick, and usually every year the tickets sent out to um we would call them all the units for the clubs. Mm-hmm. So we'd say, for example, Cork and Limerick are in another in final. People in all the 32 counties and overseas units would get tickets. I would imagine that's going to be cut. But as to how much, I do not know that's for Crowe Park to, to in and decide So the days uh,
3: of whereby you might not get a ticket locally here in Cork but you'd always hear people saying I know somebody in County Clare you know they're not in the final I go to their local club they'll get me a ticket that might not be the case for this year you reckon?
5: Yeah um, that could be or else where they might have got where that club in Clare might have got six tickets they might only get two but you also have to factor in there was bits of swapping so maybe where you could say to uh, a gentleman or a person up in Dublin or Kerry. If you're in the football final, I give you my football tickets. If you give you, if you give us the hurling ticket, oh yeah, you know there used to be a bit of swapping going on. I know, especially we say, for example, Cork and Kerry clubs maybe along the board, or if Kerry were in a football final, Cork were in a hurling final, there would be swapping going on tickets, um, and that would be done throughout the clubs or through individuals. But we might then Cork. We mightn't get many tickets or any tickets for the football final. So, you won't be in the clubs and Cork mightn't be in a position to do any swaps. And also, the fact is, uh, the All Ireland, we won't, you take for example, Kerry and Tyrone aren't playing until the day before the All Ireland, their, their semi final isn't done until the All Ireland, the day before the All Ireland Harding final. So, you won't have time to maybe look doing a swap with uh, Kerry or Tyrone that you might have to see Dublin and Mayo are playing this weekend but uh I, I don't think there will be much swapping going on this year now, and especially when there's no physical tickets, it's, it's linked, you know. Yeah, it's so going to be harder. It might, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder, so it's, um, look, hopefully, I always say, look, hopefully the people come 3.30 on Sunday week, the people who deserve to be there would be inside the gates of, uh, Crow Park, uh, for throwing. That's what I, that's what I would be hoping anyway. But look, it, it's, um, and I must give great credit to the staff inside in Parky Creeve. Usually what happens, John Paul, there would be a turnaround of three or four weeks to organise, to put in a plan for an Ireland final. Um, there's only two weeks, less than two weeks this time. And the, the staff in Parky Creeve are doing tremendous work. And it's only when, I suppose, um, I suppose I'm on the, in the inside this year, um, being involved in the whole... Being on the, as PRO being involved I have my part to play in terms of the media the ticketing is obviously a big part but there's there's about a hundred different moving parts um, involved in an All Ireland preparation in terms of ticketing, media um, all different obligations, obviously the preparation, the team travel arrangements, all that kind of stuff there's a lot of things that would normally happen on the North Ireland final weekend like a banquet and stuff like that that won't be happening this year uh, possible homecomings that won't be happening this year, but there's a lot of there's so, so many things going on, and, and it's only when you realise on Monday morning when you wake up, and the phone is absolutely hopping, that um, you realise that uh, you're you're playing you're involved in an uh, in All Ireland final.
3: Yeah, and it's a huge achievement, and I mean the lads uh, played so well. A very fast uh, pace of hurling was played, and we expect the same for the match against Limerick in the final. I mean, it's great for the county, Joseph. It's given the the whole county a great lift, and you could even see and feel that on Sunday yeah. uh, when Cork won that match and to go into the final. Yeah. You mentioned preparations are going well, and even the amount of flags that are going up in different yeah. towns. You can see now who are organising yeah. ways of putting up more Cork flags. I yeah. mean, the, really, the whole place is getting. Behind Cork, yeah, not that and, they and never and, did, but more so this time around.
5: Yeah, well, I think you are satisfactory. We actually have three other finals next weekend or next week. Mm. We have you know, the Twenties on Tuesday. They're playing uh, Galway in Torlins, and then we have the the minor hurlers are playing. I think Galway or Tipperary, uh, and uh, that's yet to be confirmed dates, times, venues. But that's on next weekend as well. And we we obviously have the senior hurlers, but our our minor footballers won the Munster title on. Wednesday night defeating Limerick, and they've got an All Ireland semi final on, um, on the weekend of the All Ireland hurling final. So, we actually have three All Ireland hurling finals and an All Ireland minor football semi final. And it was great. I, 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 I think it was, well, it was done in the past, but Cork have won the hurling and football minor and under 21 or under 20 Munster titles, which is absolutely brilliant to have the four underage. Munster titles won by Cork and it just goes to show all the work that's being done in terms of coaching, especially at the club level, but also involved in the regional squads and all that. And obviously by the, the management teams involved with the different teams, but the clubs, look, I always say that the, the, the likes of the Patrick Horgans and the, the Rob Downeys and the Shamie Harnadys, all these fellas, it's down in their clubs that they learn how to play hurling know, they're passed on then to the, we're only minding them at county level. Um, but it, it, it's, at the, it's at the club level when the, when the kids go in at four or five, that's where they develop their skills. So the clubs deserve great credit for that. But I would be asking, and hopefully I will be reaching out to, Get behind the been, lives, we, yeah. We, yeah we haven't been in an Ireland holding final since 2013 um, we haven't been in a minor final I, I don't remember that way of lifting people and coming together and uh, the great community spirit and look we'd be hoping that um, next week that the whole of Cork will be decked out in red and white and I'd be urging clubs and people to put up the bunting and the flags and the whole lot even if there'll be a lot of clubs who will have players involved but there'll be also a lot of clubs who won't be having players involved but I think the whole Jay in the last couple of weeks has been absolutely crazy busy but it's just absolutely brilliant to be involved and it's great to have three All-Iron finals next week and an All-Iron uh, semi-final at minor footballers. So we just wish everyone all the best.
3: Yeah it is and the future is bright surely for Cork G when you hear all of what is happening there and very finally those who have sent in those letters with the checks, must you then send everything back out to them?
5: Yeah the the, the what would happen is the, there would be a stamp-addressed envelope that's usually what the thing is with the letter there's a stamp-addressed envelope included uh, the cheques will be going back in the post. That's okay. the kind of phrase. The cheque be in the post, but it's going back. The, it's going back the other way. Going back no twice. So else. yeah. And the tickets
3: then, very finally, that that are sent to the clubs here in Cork, is it, are they done within the Cork G, or is it Crow Park decide what the clubs no get? no
5: basically what Cork, Cork basically what happens is each Cork and Limerick will get an allocation. So obviously we'll say, for example, Limerick have less clubs. So what you might see is their clubs might get more tickets because they have less clubs. We have 160-odd clubs in Cork and a lot of them would be dual. So I think we're up around 250 um, affiliations. So that's the way uh, we w- we will work it. So basically, a club will be told how many tickets they have and then it's up to, the club to decide how they distribute it. Crow Park give us the tickets and then we we uh, filter them on. So... It's up to each county to decide. We have great people in the staff doing um, modelling on that. I'm just off a, an executive meeting discussing tickets and all the different arrangements and all that. When the office staff are doing a great job and basically look um, to try and make sure that everybody who deserves a ticket will be inside in Crow Park at half three on Sunday of the All Ireland.
3: Well, we wish Cork all the very best. A live commentary here will be on C103. And best of luck to you there, Joseph, as well. In the preparation, to a busy uh, week ahead for you. And we thank you for taking time out to talk to us this morning. All right. Thanks, Brendan. That is Joseph Blake there, P-R-O of Cork G-A-A. He mentioned there about getting behind the red and white of Cork and decorating. Stay tuned because if you do do that for your house or business you could win €500 euros from us here at C103. We'll give you details on that shortly. So Friday morning good morning to you John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger, who returns from her summer break on Monday. She's back with you Monday morning from 10am and still to come we are going to be hearing about the Gulf Stream and there's a lot of talk this week on climate change, but the Gulf Stream could be potentially collapsing, which could lead to a massive change of temperature here in Ireland. Shortly I'll be speaking with John Gibbons, who is an environmental journalist, and he also runs the website, climatechange.ie we'll chat with him shortly. And your viewers are welcome, 1850-333103. But a lot of calls and comments into us. And by the way, yesterday we had a huge reaction to the opening and should they open or not, nightclubs and indeed dance halls that provide social dancing or any venues Uh, that provides social dancing and we did mention that we spoke to many owners of those across Munster who felt insurance was a a big reason why they were looking at never reopening nothing to do with the pandemic and this was on their minds before ever the pandemic came and we would have seen a lot of local venues and nightclubs across Cork County in particular which were uh, closing down due to the high cost of insurance and these were from people who were claiming of them Uh, those who were maybe regulars even at those venues and clubs uh, claiming for something that happened during their visit. Well, we had a huge reaction yesterday to that conversation and if you missed those and the comments from various listeners and their views on that, you can listen back on the podcast section of C103.ie. Can I say good morning to Joan? Joan is in sunny Bantry, she says. Hello to you, Joan. They're doing a bucket collection today for the Bantry Red Cross. It's happening right across Bantry Town and can you give us a mention? Well, there you go, Joan. Best of luck to you. If you're in Bantry today, uh, pop something into their bucket, Bantry Red Cross doing their bucket collection uh, across the town of Bantry this morning and indeed across the afternoon as well and evening I'm sure. And on climate change which we are going to discuss very shortly a texter here says, John Paul there is an awful lot of talk about climate change nowadays but John Paul the question must be asked, are the government saying one thing and doing the opposite? We all know the EU rules, they are with us long enough. Some of us know no other rules but the government drew all the EU rules or threw all the EU rules out the window. Uh, So are we saying one thing in this country and then are we doing the opposite? Which is a good point. Uh, Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 and earlier. This was with regard to Archbishop Dermot Farrell who said those who are attending a church, be that mass or a service or whatever church you're going into they should not carry a funeral face or a sour puss and that goes as well then for the priest who was saying mass and we had a big reaction at the start of the show to this just a few more have come in on this. First of all Mary saying, in, in a way I agree with that priest and I also agree with your earlier text to say how can anybody know if you're smiling or not these days as everybody in the church is wearing a mask but I do feel some people are now just going uh, to either service or mask because it's part of their routine. They feel they have to go but they should be going for the reason and the teaching of the church not just because they feel uh, they've been doing so for the last 50, 60 or 70 years. That's the wrong reason to go. Maybe they're the ones with these sour posts says Mary. Uh, While Declan says in relation to happy faces at mass, I attend mass on Sunday days in Dunmanway and our local priest is Father Raphael. He smiles at the congregation and he does smile all through the mass. At the different stages of the mass he would look down at the congregation with a warm smile before continuing on with the mass. He certainly put a smile on my face and people left mass after smiling at each other. Uh, So he's one who is uh, big time bringing the smile factor and indeed the positivity factor to the church Thank you, Declan, into Manway on text to 086-2103-103. We spoke there with Joseph Blake, who's PRO of Cork GAA, on the All-Ireland tickets, and the hunt is on now to get those tickets. Well, a person here on text says, Hi, John Paul, I was to get two tickets for the All-Ireland semi final through my club, and I waited for an email from Crow Park confirming my tickets and payment, but it never came, and I was the only one, along with another member, that did not get them due to an error. And when I emailed Cork County GAA... I was told to go on Ticketmaster ASAP to try and get tickets and lucky I did get tickets from a cousin. So hopefully if I'm lucky enough to get tickets for the All-Irelands that won't be the same issue and that same error won't occur for me. Hopefully not. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 and a question then came in for Joseph Blake and it unfortunately just came in when he was uh, finished with us but we have got it back onto him and we're waiting for him to come back with a reply in this. Someone else may know as well if someone with a county board season ticket if you have one of those are you then allowed to purchase a ticket for the All-Ireland. So the person is asking if you have a county board season ticket, you then are allowed to purchase a ticket for the All-Ireland. Uh, we've checked that with Joseph, we're waiting for him to come back to us on that and we'll let you know what the answer is. And on weight, earlier on we were discussing a report and a study that has come out to find that people who blame adding on the pounds or maybe believe they're getting the middle age spread in their 30s or 40s uh, that they're wrong because uh, it's seemingly, according to a group of scientists, that they say uh, your metabolism it doesn't slow down at that age. It doesn't decide. It doesn't decline uh, until you're sixty. So it's not thirty or forties. Your metabolism starts slowing down. It doesn't decline until you're sixty plus. Well, a texter here says, "I think that theory is wrong because if that is the case, why have people in their forties got belly fat?" I think it's in your genes. To be honest, when it comes to uh, your weight, says that texter. Um, you can have your own decision on that if you agree or disagree with that but according to the scientists they say if you're one of these people who is blaming uh, the extra pounds on the middle age spread this is they're quite blunt about this they say the most likelihood is because people are simply eating more that's the reason you're putting on the pounds. Nothing to do with your metabolism, say these group of scientists. They say that happens from 60 plus. So there you go. And I have a text in here saying, Hi JP, from a Skibbereen listener. If anyone, or does anyone know if the passport office is open or is the passport express available? Uh, Well, for that listener, in Skibbereen, we have checked with the passport office through the Department of Foreign Affairs and, uh, the public offices, they still remain closed in Cork and indeed in Dublin as well. And Staff though are working and processing passport applications. The only way you can apply though is online and if you go to their website you can go online and apply for a passport. Passport Express is open. The turnaround time is estimated at 8 weeks and these applications cannot be um, done sooner. So if you need a, a passport sooner, you're asked to contact Passport Online. They can't forward things up uh, Passport Express for anybody at the moment but that is open so you can go via Passport Express or you can use Passport Online Uh, that is a very good service and the reason we know that is because uh, people who have used that service have said that to us they have said to us that in the past they have gone and used that service and they've realised that when they have gone online uh, they fill in their details the photo can be a bit tricky uh, but if you get some help with that sometimes uh, filters automatically appear um, on camera and what happens is that if there's a filter automatically built into your camera then the website won't take that photo and you have to take it again but overall anybody that has used the online service has come back to us saying they've got the passport within a week or two so Anyway, hopefully that will help you there on that Skibbereen listener but public offices do remain closed. Uh, 1850 333 103 lines open you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and I mentioned there a chat with Joseph Blake the PRO of Cork G.A.A. and he was asking people to get behind and I know that he'll do more of this next week uh, get behind the All-Ireland hurling finalists by putting up the red and white and bunting for Cork and we're asking you the very same thing because we're asking you to show your support by decorating your house or business in the Cork Curlers. Uh, we want all your flags and bunting out and about and we want you to get creative with those because then when you get creative and you have your creation finished, we will give €500 Euros to the best house and €500 Euros to the best business. How do you take part? Well, well, we'll announce those winners on Thursday evening, but if you can WhatsApp your pictures to 0862 103, 103 then listen in all week and check us out online because on our C103 socials and indeed on C103.ie we will have pictures up uh, from the most creative houses across Cork who deck their house or business out in the Cork colours and you just WhatsApp your pictures to us we'll announce the winners on Thursday evening next 500 euros for the best house 500 euros for the best business wouldn't that be nice so get decorating and get creative across the weekend and uh, of course across the week we're playing bonus bingo here on the show I gave you your first number just after 10 o'clock here Here is your second number. Uh, This is your chance to win a fabulous hotel stay Uh, with our bonus bingo giveaway. Thanks to the NCBI, you could be winning your way with a €400 hotel voucher to any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels in Ireland. Thanks to the NCBI. Your second number is 24, 2 and 4. That is your second number, 24. Write that down. I'll give you your final number after midday. And... You can join the former Irish International and Manchester United player Dennis Irwin. He joins Trevor Welch this weekend on Premier League Live. It's on tomorrow on C103.ie and the C103 app. And they have live coverage of Manchester United versus Leeds at 12.30. Chelsea and Crystal Palace from 3 and Norwich and Liverpool from 5.30. Premier League live from midday with Trevor Welch on C103.ie and the C103 app with now. Stream live. Live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. C one oh three jobs. And on our job spot for today, we have opportunities, including a qualified electrician, is required for domestic and commercial projects. You can email your CV to Samantha at David a childminder is wanted for the Ballyclan area for school collection, home and dinner. You can contact the number here 086 319 4466 for further details. And a PSV driver is wanted for a school run in the Banoline area. Contact O eight seven. 0928901 for further details you will find these jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie/jobs Forward slash jobs.
2: you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed want to know what's happening in cork you're in the right place this is cork today on c103
3: Changes to the Gulf Stream could lead to catastrophic changes in Ireland's weather. We're very aware here in Cork of the Gulf Stream and it's often spoken about when people visit Garnish Island off Glyngarnith. Well, John Gibbons is an environmental journalist. He has the website climatechange.ie and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, John and he was there but he is gone now he can't hear me so we might check is uh, John maybe on the phone there rather than the system we were about to use and it is an interesting topic about the Gulf Stream we'll get back to that very shortly Uh, I just want to go back to a comment that has come in and this is to do with O'Donovan Ross at GAA and it's a good news story because someone has won 24,000 euros on a draw uh, and it's a winning ticket from the GAA clubs in their I presume it's a lot of draw but anyhow the person just put down co-action but they I have no idea who actually is the person who decided to write Co-Action on the ticket and donate the money to Co-Action so the search is on I mean they provide services to a wide range of areas across West Cork so the search is on uh, whoever did very generous uh, donation of 24,000 euros on the ticket that was drawn out from Ross Rasa G A, the name simply on the card was Coaction. Uh, so, if anybody out there was a very generous, would you make you maybe you don't want to be uh, known, you want to remain anonymous. But if you do wish to make known, even if you just want to tell Coaction who you are, uh, they'd love to hear from you from Coaction. Uh, I know one of their HQ offices is in Bantry. Maybe they have an offices, well, they have offices elsewhere. But if you want to uh, contact any of their offices, because uh, what a great donation that is and a good news story. Twenty four thousand euro uh, won in that draw and that money going its way to co-action now let's go back and see if we can uh, if john gibbons can hear us uh, he's going to chat to us about the change in the gov stream can you hear us john uh, good good morning
6: sorry about that no yeah, problem all that, all that fancy uh technology there you go <laughs> and, and uh, at
3: the start of the show we were uh, on about friday the 13th and we were saying hopefully nothing goes wrong and we were and i said the only thing that goes wrong usually is technology <laughs> And there we are. Went wrong.
6: So well, actually, it it's, it's, it's more than Friday the Thirteenth that the technology lets us down.
3: Well, that's true. That's very true indeed. It, it is indeed. And something else that that is changing. And I just mentioned there, John, at the intro about the Gulf Stream. We are very aware of it here in Cork uh, because of areas like Garnished Island of Clingarne. When we hear about the tropical climate, and anybody that speaks of that always refers.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up.
2: That's stamps.com code program.
3: First, the Gulf Stream. And I mentioned that the changes that could occur to the Gulf Stream could really change our weather here. I mean, first of all, just explain the workings of the Gulf Stream.
6: Sure. I suppose the first thing to, to say is that the Gulf Stream, which we we, we kind of associate in the Northern Hemisphere, is, is a I guess, a, an underwater gigantic current. It's about 100 times more 500 times the size of the Amazon it's absolutely enormous and it transfers a huge amount of heat energy from the tropics up to the northwestern Europe now it's part of a global what's called the ocean overturning system so this is a really complicated combination of warm salty water uh, at the surface in in the Caribbean uh, travelling travelling northwards and eventually sinking and and becoming more fresh so uh, it's a huge system, and this system, by the way, it is global. If you think about it, the world's oceans—the water that you described—that that laps past Garnish Island. Five hundred years ago, that same water will have passed by Antarctica, and maybe seven hundred years earlier, it passed around Australia. So, the global oceans are in fact one continuous body of water, and the, and the, the what drives them is this global ocean current system. It's it's absolutely vast. It's it's, it's enormous, and What matters from a European point of view uh, is what's called the Gulf Stream or the AMOC, and that essentially transfers this huge heat subsidy from the Caribbean area up towards northern Europe. So as you say, uh, Garnish Island is one of my favourite places, uh, and it has that wonderful semi-tropical feel. There's there's plants and things that grow down around Glen that don't grow anywhere else in Ireland because of this warming effect. And The best way I can describe it, it's like an energy subsidy. And our temperatures in Ireland are, we, we think of ourselves as a cold island, but if you draw a line of latitude from, from right to left, and you look at Ireland on a map, when you go left, you encounter Newfoundland in Canada. Right? Now, Newfoundland, for anybody who knows it, you might remember the movie The Shipping News. All right, that was set in Newfoundland, and what you'll remember from The Shipping News is it is bloody cold. So typically in Newfoundland, seven months of the year or so are frozen over. Right? So of course... Things like agriculture, which require uh, temperatures above 7 degrees centigrade to grow grass.
3: There is virtually none. Of that Hello? Sorry, sorry, I don't know where that came from. Keep going. This, this, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this, the this is you. what's happening Friday the 13th, and I have no idea where that played out from. But uh, no, sorry, keep, uh, keep going there, No John. problem. Anyway, so if you took
6: away... The, the subsidy, that heat subsidy from the Caribbean, we would essentially have the same climatic conditions because it is a curious thing. Ireland is quite far north. Uh, you know, you, a lot of people think we're, we're on about the same line of latitude as New York. But in fact, New York is on the same line of latitude as Rome. So, so Northern, north, northwestern Europe is quite high up which basically means that it is or should be colder. We basically should be a lot colder than we are, based on our location. But because of the Gulf Stream, uh, we're not. Now, the big danger here, and this is what science has been warning us is, that this system has been slowing down. We know, for example, that it has lost about 15% of its velocity in recent years. And we know this because, well, because it's being measured uh, very carefully, and we also know that the main reason that the system appears to be slowing down is because there's a vast amount of cold, fresh water being added into the North Atlantic right now in unbelievable quantities. Now, the the location for this is Greenland. Greenland the Greenland ice sheet is melting fast. And to, 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 to put that into numbers that, that your uh, listeners might might get their heads around every minute every 60 seconds so in the time that we've been having this conversation we've been talking for a couple of minutes every minute approximately a million tons of ice melts and dumps from greenland into the north atlantic so that is over half a trillion tons a year is now gushing off greenland into the north atlantic now that fresh cold water is disrupting the gulf stream it's upsetting, it's breaking down that, that stream. And think of the Gulf Stream uh, kind of like a bicycle, a very gigantic bicycle. Bicycles are only stable as long as they're moving, right? As the bicycle begins to slow, it begins to wobble. And if the bicycle stops, it falls over. So think of the Gulf Stream in that way, that it, its velocity is what keeps it moving. The whole system moves. And as it begins to slow, it begins to wobble. And some of the weird weather that we've experienced in recent years, it has to do with the combination of the jet stream, which is an atmospheric uh, air stream and the Gulf Stream beginning to wobble. They're beginning to, to react, if you like, to, to climate change and to some of these events driven by climate change, like this gigantic melting event that we're, that we're seeing off the coast of Greenland. In fact, that's known by scientists as the cold blob. If you look at heat maps of, nor- of the northern hemisphere, everything is red and pink, showing that it's getting warmer, except southeastern Greenland, where you have this huge blue, what they call the cold blob, and that is all that enormous quantities of uh, fresh water, cold, like freezing cold fresh water, pouring off Greenland into the, into the North Atlantic. So it looks like that system is destabilizing, well, sorry, we know that system is destabilizing, and what we hope is that it doesn't shut down. We know also from the, from the uh, the record if you like from the, from the climatic record that this system when it shuts down can, can shut down completely in as little as five to ten years so we know for example the last time it shut down is over a thousand years ago no actually sorry it's, it's further it's about ten thousand years ago and it led to a one thousand year uh mini ice age in northwestern europe so basically that area of 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 europe pretty much grows over for about a thousand years and that that occurred Towards the end of the last ice age, due to a, a series of events that are that are now fairly well understood by scientists. Now, they were, of course, natural events. And I think what, some of your listeners might be saying, "Well, the climate is always changing." So it's a line I often hear, yeah. and this is true. Climate changes in response to to four things. In other words, events, whether it's a solar minimum or the wobble in the Earth's uh, rotation or whatever it is, these are things that cause that global climate. To move, for example, in and out of ice ages and so on. The big difference at the moment is that we're moving from a warm period, an interglacial, into a super hot period. And this is the really tricky bit. And no humans alive now, or in fact no humans in in, in history, have ever experienced as hot an Earth as we're in right now. We're we're already taking the Earth out of the stable period uh, known as the Holocene which has really run since the end of the last ice age. we've had about a 10,000-year period of very stable weather. And that stability has allowed us to build our agricultural systems, our civilizations, our cities. For example, the world's coastlines have barely moved in the last 10,000 years. So if you go back to, you know, uh, Phoenician times or Abyssinia and so on, they're the same coastlines that were, were being sailed from 3,000 and 4,000 years ago. So we know that global sea levels have hardly changed, say, in the last five to 10,000 years. Now they're changing rapidly.
3: And they we have, heard that this week yeah. in, the, in the report that came out, and even the EPA here uh, have issued that in their report and the in the changing nature and, and coastal erosion, and a lot of that down to greenhouse gases. Is that the same reason for the change in the Gulf Stream?
6: Yeah, I mean, all these events are connected. Essentially, what we're doing is, where somebody once described just think of the climate as a sleeping bear, right? And it's been snoozing for the last 10,000 years. And we're jabbing it with sticks at the moment. We're basically, and the fear is that, that, that this is an angry beast when it wakes up. And one of the things that I, you know, just in case this wasn't all worrying enough, one of the other things that you have to bear in mind with the Gulf Stream, and this is not a certainty by any means, but uh, there's a very famous scientist called Professor James Hansen. He's the former head of NASA Climatology Unit. Now, he and colleagues brought out a, a study a number of years ago, and they looked at another aspect of, of um, Gulf Stream shutdown. They've made the point that the storminess in a, in a region is, is a factor of what's called the heat gradient. In other words, if you get a dramatic change in temperature between, you know, two zones, then that is what fuels storms. So the point is, if the Gulf Stream shuts down, that means northwestern Europe cools, but the um, tropical region heats up. That means the heat gradient between the tropics and the northern hemisphere becomes much steeper. That is the fuel for what he calls hyperstorms. Now, these are storms that we, we have. we No humans have ever experienced these storms, but these are storms capable of flattening cities. These are something that there is no experience for us and no, no human civilization has ever endured these type of storms. And Hansen and his colleagues were pointing out that one of the jokers of the pack of the Gulf Stream setting down is, and the phrase he used, it stuck in my mind, he said, all hell will break loose in the North Atlantic. Right, And that's worrying, of course, because we're worrying. in the North Atlantic. In fact, we're very much in the North Atlantic. So at the moment, we've been sheltered from a lot of the kind of climatic extremes of continental Europe and continental USA and Russia because of our maritime location. But that's a two-edged sword. Our <laughs> maritime location also puts us in the eye of the storm. If what Hanson and his colleagues say turns out to be correct, and, and let's be honest, we don't want to be betting on things like this. Uh, but the important thing is, what do we do about this? Right? Uh, yeah, how can, can, sure can this
3: be reversed? I mean, everything you mentioned there with the Gulf Stream and the wider uh, climate changes, can at this stage it be reversed? Okay.
6: Uh, I'm not going to talk for a second about reversal. What I'm going to talk instead is a really simple analogy, right? Let's mm. imagine that we're in a car and we're speeding towards a wall. Now, can the car be reversed? No. You can slow down, right? You can reduce the, you know, you're going to hit the wall, and we are heading for a climate wall, but what you need to do is you need to hit the brakes, brace for impact, and try to reduce the damage. Right? We're in for some incredibly dangerous decades ahead, things that uh, often our parents and our grandparents will have very little experience of. So I think this is, this is true. However, the question is, how bad do we want it to be? And how do we hit those brakes? The, 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 the global version of the equivalent of hitting the brakes is we need to get off fossil fuels ASAP. Every scientific report, including the one that you informed to, the IPCC report this week, said the only cure to this is to cut fossil fuels out of the system as quickly as possible. And in Ireland, of course, that also means put methane out. Methane is a powerful heat-dropping gas, and we're a huge contributor. Uh, like, for our small size, we're a huge contributor of methane as a powerful greenhouse gas, uh, on top of, of course, of CO2. We need to cut CO2 as quickly as possible, we need to cut methane as quickly as possible, and we need to work with other countries to get them to do the same. Now, we're all in this together, we either hit the brakes together, or we failed together, and, and I'm I've, I've already hearing people saying, "Oh, what about China? What about America? What about you know India?" The question is, they have to deal with this themselves. Rich first world countries like Ireland need to act. We're already the second highest per capita polluter in the European Union, so we're we're in no position to be shaking our fingers at anybody else. We need to get our own house in order. And Ireland to date has been disgraceful in relation to carbon emissions. In fact, between 2010 and 2020, overall, nationally, we achieved no carbon reductions. We achieved some in energy, but they continue to increase in transport and they continue to increase in agriculture. So we're so far out of whack. And if if the rest of the world continues to behave the way Ireland has behaved, then we're not going to solve this problem. Not only are we not going to solve this problem, but this problem is going to, is going to overwhelm us. So the it,
3: attitude of some people who say, we're only a small country, we yeah. can't make much of a difference, that is the wrong attitude to have, you say.
6: Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Because that is a, a kind of a cynical fatalism, which basically means I couldn't be bothered doing anything. That's really what that person is saying. And anybody who says to you, oh, what about the Chinese? Okay, Ireland is the, a typical Irish person accounts for three to four times more emissions than a typical Chinese person. So if you reverse that question, and we're, we're now conducting this interview in, in Beijing, the, and the Chinese say, well, why should we do anything? Those Irish people pollute far more per capita than we do. So that's an argument that essentially means that in a, in a collective action problem like we're facing here, if people take the selfish, lazy, cynical attitude of, I, you know, I'm alright, Jack, I'll wait till the other guy does it. If we all wait for the other guy to act. We're finished. We've
3: had it. And the so, big thing here, John, is the fact yeah. that you mentioned over uh, 10,000, over 100,000 years ago and, and the time of the Ice Age and the end of the Ice Age there, yeah. uh, there wasn't as much human life, there wasn't any human life as as we have today. I mean, you know, we, we had a different Earth back then than we have yeah. now. Uh, we To keep it basic, human life really relies on, you know, certain air quality, certain temperatures to survive. Yes. If this happens, more humans are going to be impacted. Uh, so slowing things down now are we too late?
6: I hope we're not too late. And I think what, what, and this came out of the IPCC report this week, they said every degree count, every one-tenth of a degree count. Essentially, what we're doing right now, this generation, we're locking in climatic conditions for the next 10,000 years. Now, that's a big responsibility. Because no generation has had this responsibility. But unfortunately, we've kind of blundered and sleepwalked our way into this crisis. We haven't really thought about it. Our politicians and our governments have either um, chosen not to deal with this or have been very cynical. And in a lot of cases, they've simply reacted to the most powerful lobby groups. Because and you hear it in Ireland, the insane voices on the radio day after day saying, I can't, we can't afford climate action. It'll cost too much. We'll be banjacks. You'll ruin this. You'll shut down the farmers. And all of these voices, these cynical voices, uh, basically demanding that we do nothing or, or, or asking China to do something. Now, the problem with this is these people are leading us to disaster. Now, and, and, and what gets me, in a way, with this uh, is that they know it. They actually know Uh, at least I've spoken to a number of them and off the record, they know exactly, but they say, ah, well, I have to be re-elected and, you know, it plays well. And anyway, I don't want to upset the the lobby groups because they're very powerful and they'll they'll have people, you know, out voting against me. So, you know, wink, wink, I know we have to fix this, but I have to get re-elected. And to be honest with you, you know, my re-election is more important at the moment to me. And besides, if if I lose my seat, sure, who will do it. And this is the trap that we're caught in. It's a sort of a collective action trap where, as I say, we're all looking after, we're all trying to feather our own nest. Now, I, I'm often asked, you know, how do, you, how do we resolve these collective action traps? And you have to think of it like this. Imagine for a second that we're in a boat in the sea, and there's a hole in the boat. Now, do you argue that China needs to fix the hole in the boat? Or do you say, well, I'm not fixing that hole because, you know, America, uh, why don't they fix the hole in the boat? No, you don't. We all get together and we fix the hole in the boat because if we don't we're all going to the bottom of the sea together
3: And And John mentioning there the scientists uh, and if nothing does change if we're still debating this and you have people who say this is you know this is a cycle that happens every so many years it's not climate change and if we're Hmm. back and forth about this you mentioned that scientists are saying this is going to happen sooner rather than later regarding the Gulf Stream that will have a big impact for us how far away are we from the implications of this?
6: The short answer is we don't know. We know that the system is destabilised. And we know that the more um, CO2 and methane we pump into the atmosphere, the more that system is going to destabilise. And I will say, by the way, since we mentioned this, uh, you know, I, I talked about the Greenland ice pack melting, right? And that million tonnes of ice per second pouring into the uh, North Atlantic. Now, the Greenland ice pack contains seven metres of sea level rise seven metres. Now, leave aside the Gulf Stream for a second. If we allow the Greenland, if we commit the Greenland ice pack to, to melting, that is going to raise sea levels in everywhere in the world, including Ireland, including Garnish Island, by seven metres. Now, seven metres is about 23 feet, okay? Now, that's what happens when you release these monsters, right? And I will say, as a, as a, as a cautionary tale, we know right now that the last time there was a, this much CO2 in the atmosphere, like global CO2 levels have gone up by about 50% versus pre-industrial. But the last time there was about 420 parts per million of CO2 in the atmosphere was between 3 and 8 million years ago. Now, at that time, global sea levels were 20 to 30 meters higher than they are today. Now, again, you're listening to saying, well, why aren't they that way now? And the reason is, of course, we have a lot of inertia in our system. The global climate system is very big. When you bash it, it takes ages for that to ripple through the system. But we're committing at the moment, all future generations, to have to live with continuous, ongoing, irreversible sea-level rise. Now, that 20 metres won't all happen next week. It It could take years, decades, even centuries to play out. But what that means is, everywhere, every coastal settlement, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Waterford, Dublin, Belfast—twenty meters. They're all gone. They're gone. Uh, the central—I mean—the the central plains of Ireland are very lowland. Uh, the, the Shannon floodplain is exactly that—it's a floodplain. So all the floodplains, the estuaries—they all disappear underwater too. And the big question is: What do we do then? Our most valuable infrastructure in Ireland, our biggest cities, our our ports, our airports—they're hmm. all close to the coast. Every, almost every single one of them, and. Are we prepared to stand back and just shrug our shoulders and say "Well i couldn 't be bothered fixing this because if we do we're committing our, all our descendants to have to deal with unmanageable irreversible unstoppable sea level rise and of course, the other thing we have to consider a constant sea level rise and flooding and extreme uh, precipitation events is also what we 're seeing in Europe what we're seeing in the u s but that is extreme heat waves killer heat waves now we haven't yet seen them in Ireland, uh, but will we begin to see them? I mean, I was reading a report this morning that pointed out that Europe is going to have to get used to the Irish independent today. Europe is going to expect 50 degree heatwave. Now, I made the point uh, a little bit earlier that I once in my life experienced 50 degrees. And it was a good number of years ago in Turkey during an extreme heatwave. I was only there for 24 hours and I, I thought I was going to die. The,
3: the temperature yeah, it's very was very hard so, to breathe and the humidity and everything. I couldn't, yeah. It's like you're being I'm smothered a by hotel. a
6: pillow. I was in a hotel and I couldn't leave the hotel. I, all I could do was go into the shower and pour water on my head. The, even the water was warm, everything was warm. You couldn't open the window because the air coming in was suffocating. Now, this, you know, those type of conditions are going to kill countless numbers of people. And you put that together with sea level rise, and really, you know, we're looking at a very, very different future. And I will say, and I think this is important to stress, this isn't about my being fatalistic and, you know, alarmist and trying to frighten people. This is what is coming unless we change course. And, and
3: yes, just you as you mentioned there about temperatures rising then, with the Gulf Stream, with, with the changes there and temperatures are due to lower, is that where then the storm impact will come when we have temperatures automatically going down in one sense and then rising in another part of the world?
6: That is exactly yeah. right. Uh, that is exactly right. And it is a, it is a paradox that in the, in, the, in the midst of a global uh, warming, of a global heating event, that you will have regional paradoxes like, for example, a northwestern European um, mini freeze event, which will happen over a number of years and will be very disruptive, particularly to agriculture. And I will stress this if the Gulf Street shuts down, well goodbye Irish agriculture it is all finished
3: because and that is the major system. drive of course for our it. economy here in Ireland so it, will, w- it will affect every, every aspect of the country John I could chat to you <laughs> all day about this it's just really I know you're very passionate about it I can hear it in your voice and it's, it's fascinating stuff and really interesting uh, but I have to leave it there I'm afraid but I, I do thank you for taking time out and chatting to us today about this anyhow John
6: My pleasure and, and as I say I think the key thing just to, to finish on this is it isn't about despair it isn't about uh, gloom it's about action And the best action you can take, it isn't about recycling, get political, talk to your politicians and don't accept no for an answer. Our kids' future is on the line thank you very much for your time yeah
3: true very good John thank you for that uh, and thanks for joining us that is John Gibbons there who is an environmental journalist and has his website climatechange.ie if you want to check that out online and we thank him uh, for joining us today 1850 333 103 uh, your views are welcome I can see mixed views coming in uh, on what John is saying you can text her on WhatsApp 0862 103 103 record today on scene 103
1: call Patricia with your comment
3: 1850 333 103 the launch of a promotion a brochure for Charnival, which was assembled by members of the Heritage Society during the pandemic lockdowns, has been launched. Evelyn O'Keefe is the Heritage Society Chair in Charnival and she joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Evelyn.
7: Good morning and delighted
3: to be on. <laughs> and thanks for joining us. First of all, uh, this booklet, well done Evelyn on this and all they're involved in the Society of Heritage there in Charnival. I mean, it's a fantastic booklet. I've gone through it there yesterday and there's items that I did not know about or uh, information about Charnival that I wasn't aware of. And I mean, this really sells Charnival as a destination now for heritage and history tourism because that area is growing.
7: Exactly. And that's what we want people to do with their passenger through charbon, not just pass through actually stop, <laughs> And, you know, look at the heritage and the buildings that are around them that you probably sit in traffic a few times looking up. I wonder what that was. I wonder what that was. And like, that's exactly what this brochure is. It's kind of telling you what it is and you know, the history of the buildings and um, how interesting travel is. And again, you know, the people are out walking a lot during COVID. So, um, a lot more questions. People, you know, they are more interested in their own history now that we've never seen anything like it. Um, our own Facebook page was getting views about 500, which was fairly small um, prior to COVID. Now, we're, on average, our postings now are coming up on 14,000 K and that's all local, you know, with a few people yeah. that have immigrated. So, the interest in local history has never been at its, you know, so high. So, we're hoping to capitalize on that and get people to stop and wander around Charval and use our brochure and our maps that we have available free to basically come and visit us here in Charval and stay for more than a few minutes. True um, because
3: you mentioned there during the lockdown people were walking I mean we all were in areas we were living uh, like I'm living in, in a city area that I'm not from originally I'm from West Cork but in the city area I'm living in I wasn't aware of what was on my doorstep until lockdown because you have a chance to walk around and walking became a big thing similar to what you had mentioned there in Charnival I mean I was reading about the, the various bank buildings and the credit union building there in Charnival and what they were beforehand and the, the history is amazing behind these another thing I found it just interesting Thing, and I'm sure a lot of people would have read about these over the years. The Fever Hospital and Charnville had one located there.
7: Yeah, we did. And the Fever Hospital is now actually the St Mary's Secondary School block. And um, if you look directly from the St Mary's building, um, which is now the girls' secondary school, mm, you yep. see the local town park, which has had huge development recently. And um, locally, we, we, you know, we had been told like it was a famine graveyard, you know. But again, we never. You know, we know facts or information about that, and there was a recent discovery of bones. So at the minute, we're actually uh, waiting for the state pathologist, Margaret Bolster, to confirm the dates, but we're expecting them to be in the relation of the the time that, the fever hospital was um, in operation. So at least then we'd be able to confirm the site that we now know as the town park is actually the burial hospital for the time of the fever and famine. You know, which explains, because we don't really have any famine burials in Charval, which makes no sense you know, other than maybe a handful in the graveyard, you know.
3: Yeah, so. and a lot of talk these days about the Olympians as well and our success there over the last week. But going back in time, Charleville had their own Olympians as well and that's documented in this booklet.
7: We do, we do. We have um, Conley, he, he won in the high jump um, in Athens in Greece back in 1906. So, you know, it, it, you know, we do and we've lovely packs and everything outside their house and everything. Um, so it's great to get people to actually, you know, you know, with children, especially, you know, you cannot be what you cannot see. So what we're trying to show is these great people that have come out of the the streets and the laneways and the townlands of Charvel and how they have become Olympians and they have become ambassadors, you know, and they have become all these amazing things that there is no limit And as you mentioned there About no limit
3: Staycations are going ahead This weekend Again people will be You know looking around For places to go Your booklet Where is that available In the Charnival area I know it's online But can people pick it up locally
7: yeah, on Saturday, Saturday, all day Saturday, we have a pop-up museum which is free if you're looking to do on Charleville in front of the library and we'll have loads of um, historic um, pieces from Charleville on display and uh, brochure can be picked up there but we'll also be dropping it into all tourist offices in the next week or so and hotels and anywhere basically that will take it. <laughs> we will have it.
3: <laughs> so people <laughs> so have no excuse. Oh sure, you can keep an eye out for it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they can find it anywhere basically in Charnival. Yeah, uh, Evident, yeah. it's a fantastic publication. Well done to you and all they're involved in the Heritage Society it's a credit to you all Uh, so much of interest for people who are looking to go to Charnival and the area there or even from the area and haven't realised what's on their doorstep Uh, as you say there when we're stuck in traffic next time get out and walk around and check Charnival out (laughs) Uh, Evelyn thanks for joining us this morning thank you thank you best of luck with it
7: bye 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 bye.
3: take care Evelyn O'Keefe there she is chair of the Heritage Society in Charnival on that booklet you can pick it up in many locations in Charnival and check out uh, the area so much history and heritage around that area of North Cork. All this week, we are playing a bonus bingo because you can play C103 bingo every day for cash prizes here at C103. And to celebrate, we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay. We've been doing this all week, week thanks to the NCBI. And everybody that has won so far is in the draw, which will take place between now and one. You could win yourself a €400 Euro hotel voucher and it can be used in any of the Clayton or Maldon hotels right across Ireland. i gave you two numbers earlier this is the final bonus number when you get this number combine the total and text in your name where you are with the full total the number is 35 3 and five, thirty-five. 35 add that to the uh, two other numbers i gave you and if you add them up you'll get a, a figure text or whatsapp that figure in with your name and address and you could be going along to any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels right across Ireland with that 400 euro hotel voucher with thanks to the NCBI and C103 Bingo and if you want full details on how to play go to our website c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo we spoke there to John Gibbons the environmental journalist and indeed he runs the website uh, climatechange.ie on what is happening with the Gulf Stream uh, we could potentially And the wider view of climate change right across the world Uh, on that. First of all, a lot of people texting in because myself and Ken Tobin were having a conversation earlier on The Breakfast Show about Friday the 13th. And Ken is very superstitious. And uh, apart from being superstitious, things were going wrong for him. He had a puncher, and just in general, things were going wrong all morning for him. And he said he was going home and staying indoors all day. And he was asking me about my feelings on it. And overall, things usually go okay on Friday the Thirteenth. My main worry is technology. I said to him on air. And when we've done outside broadcasts on Friday the Thirteenth, and when we've done uh, big shows, s- special features on the show, uh, things have worked out okay. But um, today. <laughs> today hasn't been the day I should have said nothing because strange things have happened phone lines have let us down links uh, live links to guests such as John uh, have not worked for some reason and then uh, a jingle as many people are pointing out played for some reason I didn't touch anything I had my hands here I was so intrigued at what John was saying I had my hands crossed with a biro in them and uh, I didn't touch anything I swear but people are (laughs) texting and noticing all those those little things that go wrong for Friday the 13th I should have said nothing to Ken about technology hopefully nothing will go strange between now and Juan you never know the superstition continues for the day that is in it anyway uh, the uh, comments we've got so many comments on our conversation with John and indeed with climate change Um, here's just a number of them in from Michael first of all in Castletown Bear Uh, Michael says as a septuagenarian who was living on the shoreline of the wild North Atlantic all my life I have noticed many changes since my very young childhood days especially the volume of coastal erosion and the Rise in sea levels. They're extremely noticeable. The sea level has risen at a terrible rate. And what really bothers me is when I see a new house or new houses being built. Practically on the water edge, do county planners and those who design those buildings live in the real world? 30 years ago, I suggested to Cork County Council that it was time to begin designing hillside villages and forget about allowing building houses on the waterfront or low-lying area near rivers. They laughed at me. They thought that I was cracking up. Well, I will not be too long more when they will have to do a serious rethink. It is extremely serious and serious with a long one, uh, a long way, but I think this will not just go away. Uh, there'll be further conversations indeed, Michael, about this in Castletown Bear on 0862 103 103. And a text also from John Eve Gwinnon who says, Hi John Paul, I'm sick and tired of hearing about climate change. It's scaring people to death. I firmly believe that the universe goes through cycles every few thousand years, so mostly changes are due to natural events. Some, without doubt, are caused by man. Explain how did Europe defrost from the Ice Age? It wasn't caused by motor vehicle emissions or dinosaurs breaking wind. It defrosted by natural air temperatures rising. It would be far better for governments around the world and billionaires to get together to feed the starving people. It's way more important, but this won't happen, says John, as nobody makes money. The Evil of greed. Generations to come will adapt to whatever comes along. So get on with living today and deal with tomorrow when it comes. All the best. John in Gwilla on 1850 333 Text or WhatsApp 86 103, 103 Sean says stocking rates are far too high in Irish farms resulting in large amounts of greenhouse gases being generated. Intensive farming is terrible for animal welfare and requires large amounts of fertilisation. And fertiliser then can be imported like animal feed from faraway nations. We need to get rid of the EU nitrates der- derogation. Uh, why? Because this promotes and facilitates intense cattle farming and also, Sean says, Ireland must lead by example. Do you agree with Sean on that? Uh, and also, John is in guilty. John says on all of the climate change issues we're discussing about and weather patterns, John was on holidays a few years ago. Uh, he was in the Canaries and he was talking to an Irish guy who owns a business there uh, he said that here in Ireland we had a very bad winter and he asked that business person if they saw any change in their weather patterns in the Canaries uh, he said that the weather in the Canaries was the same all the time and he felt there was no change so John says it's climate change only now in certain places John and Clonakilty on text to 086-2103-103. another John is saying JP people should remember at the moment we are 1.1 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Anything above this temperature for example 1.5 degrees is much, much worse than we have at present. We will have more storms, more heavy rain events and rising sea levels. Have we already reached a tipping point at this? Asks John. And another text here says what is the plan then to stop this disaster from happening? I always hear about change but this usually is just by paying more tax. What change do the Greens propose other than just paying more tax? And Liam is in Brough. He says, uh, when we talk about the Gulf Stream and everything else, regarding climate change. He says it was all prophesied in the Bible uh, that the world will eventually burn up. So all these carbon taxes is just another excuse to make money. Let God do his job and we must just suffer it. And Mossy is in West Cork who says climate change is all down to God. It is not man-made. And Michael is in Glengariff, and he feels the water temperature in Glingarath Harbour, well, he knows it went up to 24 degrees for a full week four weeks ago. It usually averages at 19 degrees. And a texter here says we should be terrified by what John Gibbon said, which is in line with the science that every reputable scientific body has made and on the planet that they agree with. The domino effects are irreversible planetary changes we're causing will threaten much life on Earth. We are committing an atrocity and our children and indeed grandchildren will never forgive us says that texter uh, and there's just some of those texts in on climate change. Uh, you can uh, keep those coming if you wish 0862 103 103. It's something I'm sure we'll continue to talk about uh, over the next number of weeks on the show because it certainly is not going away and thanks to John for uh, joining us there and going into detail uh, on the impact of what could happen and indeed very interesting I found on the Stream and the potential collapse of the Stream and, and what that does mean for us here in Ireland. On something totally different, Mike in Bantry says, Hi JP, I've noticed a lot of people cycling on footpaths over the last while. Are they covered? Is this legal? Well, I'm not too sure if it's legal. I think it's actually illegal for bikes to be on footpaths, but I'm not too sure if that is everywhere or was it just a bylaw I saw when we were researching that a number of uh, months ago. But overall, I find sometimes maybe cyclists are safer on footpaths because if you look at some of our, our roadways, be that if you're wherever you are in the city or in rural areas, uh, sometimes I feel the way the roads are and the way you might have a cycle lane that can just stop and disappear and then there's nowhere else for the cyclist to go and you have fast moving traffic on that roadway. Uh, sometimes it can be safer for cyclists to be on the footpaths if the pedestrians, I mean, you see the cyclists coming so you can make way. Uh, but I think it's, I don't know if it's an overall law or was it a bylaw, in some areas, it is illegal. But as I say, it can be safer then for the cyclist to be on the footpath rather than being on the roads most of the time, if not some of the time. Anyhow, thanks, Mike and Bantry, for your text. And we mentioned about the flags earlier and uh, people asking people to get their flags out and support the Cork team when we were speaking about tickets earlier. And indeed, uh, what's the week ahead for Cork G and what they're organising and they're looking to get the the various parts of the county involved uh, in putting out the Cork flags. Catherine Hurley uh, says, guyney's window on Oliver Plunkett Street is done up lovely and it's all done up in the red and white so well done to them there in Oliver Plunkett Street in the city centre and of course we're asking you to get involved if you decorate your house in a creative style or indeed your business we will give you 500 euros text or WhatsApp or we'll WhatsApp in the picture of your home or business to us 0862103103 We will be displaying them on the C103 socials and indeed on the c103.ie website across the next week and we'll be getting in contact with you because the winning prize for a Best Dressed House in the Cork Colors are the Best Dressed Business. Uh, whatever creative activity you are doing to your business or indeed your home, the best one uh, will win €500 Euros for the house and the business. will choose that next Thursday evening. So get creative over the weekends and you can check out some of those photos we'll be putting up on the C103 socials and indeed on C103.ie. And hi to John Fuller of the Kanturk Community Council. He just wants to let people know, bingo players know, That the proposed bingo at the Mark Grounds in Kenturk this Sunday afternoon is cancelled, so I said let people know that. So thank you, John, uh, from the Kenturk Community Council. On the way, uh, we'll be hearing in our series of Cork versus Covid how the vaccination rollout has instilled confidence in many uh, businesses, including a group of businesses on French Church Street in the city centre. We'll hear that next.
1: The C One Hundred Three Cork Diary
3: with the new Explore Cork app.
2: Cork County Council Initiative, featuring over 850 places to see and things
3: to do. Kildallery Drive-In Bingo, that's going to be held uh, this evening at 8 o'clock in the Creamery Yard. And tomorrow, Tim O'League Drive-In Bingo goes ahead at 4 o'clock in the community sports field. The gates will open there at 3 o'clock and books are available on the day. And two historical events are taking place in Macroom as part of Heritage Week there. You can meet at the former Church of Ireland and that's on Castle Street in McCroom. Croom. That's going ahead this Sunday and Sunday week from 2 to 4.30. But you need to pre-book and that can be done by ringing 86 878 nine891 And a coffee afternoon is going to be held in aid of Breakthrough Cancer Research. It's going ahead in the garden of Kathleen Finn's house in Cork MacSherry. That's going ahead this Sunday from 2 to 6pm. The house will be signposted from both the village of Cork Mac and indeed from Barry Road.
2: Want to know what's happening in Cork? You're in the right place. This is Cork Today. On C103.
3: And our bonus bingo giveaway with thanks to the NCBI and C103 bingo. We gave you three numbers earlier number 9, number 24, and number 35. We asked you to combine the total of those, which gives you 68. Text in or WhatsApp your name. And Pat Hobbs in Waterfall did that. Ballonora in Waterfall. Hello to you, Pat. You were in the draw. We'll make the draw uh, between now and one, where you could win yourself a 400 euro hotel voucher uh, to be used at any of the on our Maldron Hotels right across this country with thanks to the NCBI and C103 Bingo you can play and get details on our website c103.ie or by simply clicking on the C103 Bingo logo on our website the overall winner uh, we will reveal between now and one and we mentioned cyclists on footpaths Tricia, it was in Blackpool earlier uh, she has limited mobility and this morning while she was walking with her dog uh, going to the shopping centre in Blackpool a cyclist came up behind her and got between her and the dog on the footpath uh, but she went careering into her shoulder and did not even stop to apologise so she doesn't agree with cyclists on the footpaths so and Mike uh, making that point earlier uh, if it was legal or not and he's noticing them and I was saying sometimes it's safer for the cyclist to be on the footpath rather than the roadway because some of our roads aren't equipped to deal with cyclists and have cyclists and motorists side by side anyhow Trisha and Blackpool uh, her car it was incident this morning uh, regarding her on the footpath and the cyclist. Uh, hopefully you were OK, Trisha, in Blackpool onto on Burnley 1850-333-103. We're going to the movies with Mark very shortly, but first, we'll continue our series of Cork versus COVID and... I mean, we all know it's been a very turbulent few months for businesses going back to the first lockdown last March. Now, the rollout of the vaccination programme has instilled confidence in many, including a group of businesses and business owners on French Church Street in the city centre. Blue Nile Lifestyle is the focus of this week's Cork versus Covid and our reporter, Murray Tuig, paid a visit.
1: Blue Nile Lifestyle opened its doors in recent weeks and director Khaled says they offer something for everyone. And I know since the day I came to the place, I know what I want in this building exactly. I want the beauty salon, I want the hair salon, I want all this together in one place. And those build community, 100%, I believe those people that are all connected, you know, like fitness and beauty and modelling and photography and music. The building on French Church Street in the city houses a beauty salon, barbers, a music studio, gym and photography studio with more set to be added, including shared workspaces. Khaled says it's important to believe in yourself. I want to have something just new, 100% new. I've been thinking, I've been thinking, I've been working hard all also at the same time I want to have... Uh, different type of things, I want to build a community at the same time. It's work, it's 100% it's work for me, but it's hard. Like you know, if you believe in yourself, you always go for what you believe. David of David AK PhotoX Photography Studio says the new location is great.
4: Business has moved forward in terms of the restrictions of ease now, which is great. Uh, We obviously do have the likes of um, mask wearing and maintaining social distancing, and stuff like that but it's great that the space is there it's quite big spacious so it does enable us to do more business than we probably wouldn't have been able to do uh, if we didn't have this facility
1: david says it's exciting to all work together
4: it's great i mean we bounce ideas off of each other we support each other um, if i get an inquiry about uh, say headshots for instance i would offer makeup services and barbin services to my clients as well, which generates business for them as well fantastic
1: connor is a personal trainer in blue life fitness he says they wanted to do something different
2: call and myself have ran other gyms in the past it had to have to be something different a different project so
6: we decided to get um people from different cultures uh different backgrounds and uh, get a couple of unique businesses uh, all under the one roof that complement each other and that's basically what we we decided to do to stand out from the rest that was the the, the main uh, objective
1: Connor says everyone is welcome at Blue Nile Lifestyle.
6: From all the businesses going, from different countries, different cultures, different outlooks, and we're all together working together as one, as a, as a family almost. And we want people to see that. So no matter you know, who you are, um, you come in, you're going to feel very welcomed there. You're going to get the smile faces. Uh, everyone is positive here. It's a nice vibe in the building. And uh, I'd say to anyone, come in, have a look for yourself uh, and you'll get that vibe. And there'll be something here for you.
1: Yoga teacher Sinead says there's a really nice atmosphere. It is, yes, a good energy and a good vibration between people and we're all connecting and helping each other, which is really nice. Sinead says the location is ideal. Oh, it's perfect because people from their lunch breaks and there's a lot of students in the cities and so in the city, so it's great, yeah. You can find Blue Nile Lifestyle on French Church Street in Cork City Centre.
3: And thanks to Maria there and her visit to French Church Street and how indeed businesses are now reopening and the confidence is back in business there in that part of the city as it is indeed in many parts of the county also. And we'll have more from Cork versus Covid next week on the programme. Now, earlier on and indeed across the week we were giving you a chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI and C103 bingo. Your chance to win a €400 Euro hotel voucher uh, that can be used in any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels right across the country if you want full details on how to play C103 Bingo go to our website c103.ie and click on C103 Bingo uh, we have our five contestants they are all in the draw now here so today of course earlier on we were in Ballinora with Pat Hobbs and Waterfall he was our qualifier also we had Elma Downey from Knock and Nevin uh, we had Natasha O'Leary in Kilty, Geraldine Sexton and Cove Sinead Toomey McCruve and again today uh, Pat Hobbs in Waterfall they're all now gone in the draw we're going to make the draw now here and we're going to make a phone call to see who will be going along and winning that voucher you can go anywhere in Ireland uh, where will we go let's go here I uh, wonder uh, hopefully now this person answers the phone and we'll get uh, a winner on this Make Someone's Friday Hello Is this Sinead Toomey? Yeah, speaking. In Macroom.
0: Yeah. That's Hi, it. Shanage,
3: it's John Paul here at C one oh three. How are you keeping today? I'm
0: very good. How are you?
3: <laughs> I am fine. How are things in Macroom? Oh. Is the sun shining? Yeah, it's a beautiful morning. That's good. Will you have a, another nice day now, hopefully, because you entered our competition during the week with the NCBI yeah. and C103 Bingo. You texted in the answer for those three numbers we gave you. And you were in the draw to go along to win a €400 Euro hotel voucher that you can use at any Clayton or Maldon hotel right across the country. Is there anywhere you'd like to go, Sinead? Or maybe a city break you'd like to take? Uh, anywhere at this stage, to be honest. <laughs> well, Sinead, you can go. You've won That's the voucher. brilliant. Thank you so much. No bother at all. Uh, Wherever you decide to go, Sinead, enjoy that. It's a €400 hotel voucher for the Clayton or Maldron Hotel. And it's with thanks to the NCBI and C103 Bingo. Enjoy wherever you you end up. Enjoy spending it. Thank you, bye Take care Sinead there Our winner of the competition Sinead Tumi from McCroon The Movie Review on C103 With the Cinemax Bantry
1: Get back to the real cinematic experience
2: The Movie Review on C103 With the Cinemax Bantry
1: Get back to the real cinematic experience
3: And Mark Malone joins us as usual On a Friday afternoon Hi Mark Hi, Jumbo. And you went along, and this is a a real comic feel to this, I feel. It's Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Let's have a very quick trailer first. Get ready
2: for the good. I promised my therapist no bodyguarding. (laughs) The bad
3: TikTok.
2: And the baddest.
7: Good time to have a baby. God have mercy on our souls.
3: Okay, Mark, there's a good lineup in this by way of cast, isn't there? But just tell us what's this about first.
8: Yeah, short little trailer there. It's a uh, pity that the film wasn't that short, really. <laughs> <You know?
3: laughs> oh right, okay. Oh, I just saw. I watched the trailer this morning, a longer version of it. And uh, uh, to me, maybe it was the best bits they put in it. But to me, it was a really comic kind of feel. And given the cast, unless you explain what happens, I just thought it was going to be <laughs> going to be like that. But come on, tell me, <laughs> you have a different view.
8: Well, it's uh, it's a sequel uh, to a film that was released uh, a few years ago called um, uh, The Hitman's Bodyguard. I don't know if you saw it or not.
3: Um, I did. Yeah, yeah
8: it starred with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson and I didn't particularly like it very much I mean in that film Ryan Reynolds uh was the bodyguard to Samuel L Jackson who mm-hmm. was the hitman. They didn't particularly get on very well at the start of the film but uh, as the film kind of progressed uh, you know they began to kind of warm to each other. Uh here for some reason uh, in this film they don't like each other again and uh, so that kind of animosity kind of appears again at the start uh, of this film. So it's kind of basically um, um a sequel that nobody really asked for but for some reason they decided to make it. And I I get the impression that because Deadpool was so uh, successful. It's like Hollywood are like, what are we going to do with Ryan Reynolds? We need to do something now. Like he's so he's so you know his 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 star raising is so high at the moment, and uh, it's almost like they're just trying to find basically anything for him to do. Uh, this is very similar to a film he only made a couple of years ago with Michael Bay called Six Underground. I don't know if you saw that or not, but it looked exactly no no, the, it's the exact same. It's pretty much uh, very very similar the, the, okay. the way the film looks, the way. I mean, one of the things it was directed by Michael Bay, and it had. Very, it had a lot of cuts. I mean, just cut, cut. I mean, I was watching Jaws recently again, and there are full sequences of Jaws without any cuts. And yet, you know, the thing about uh, Six Underground was that it had very, very strange and weird kind of, uh, you know, uh, camera angles and just cutting just non-stop cutting uh, by the editors, and just obviously to try and you know keep people occupied. And um, and it's very, very similar here. This is directed by uh, it's written and directed by a lot of people with Irish names actually. It's directed by an Australian called Patrick Hughes. It's from a story by Tom O'Connor and the screenplay is. By Philip Murphy and Brandon Murphy, who are were who not related, and um, I suppose they are the people to blame here because obviously, because some of the writing here is very, very lazy uh, indeed, and it's such a shame because so much happens in this film. And the the one thing that I can say, uh, you know, that's positive about the film are the locations because uh, you know Six Underground was filmed in Europe, and so is this, so they're very, very similar in look and feel. Uh, here, uh, there are a lot of Italian locations. Uh, they film in Croatia. Uh, this film in Bulgaria. So the film looks beautiful. And it's almost kind of Bond-like at times. The music is very kind of John Barry. And so that I liked about it. Unfortunately, it's almost like we've got Ryan Reynolds just doing Ryan Reynolds. Uh, we have Samuel L. Jackson doing Samuel L. Jackson, and we have Salma Hayek doing Salma Hayek. It's almost like, you know, there was no real effort put into this. So Morgan Freeman appears, and it's almost like he kind of appeared and went, you know, what's what's the money like? Where's my check? Thanks very much indeed. I'll appear and then disappear again. So basically the story is, um, Ryan Reynolds, uh, he is a bodyguard, but he has lost his license to bodyguard so his therapist says look you know you need to just get away from bodyguarding and you need to go to Italy and go on a holiday and once he's there he does bump into Salma Hayek and she tells him that uh, she needs his help because apparently she is getting married to Samuel L. Jackson she wants to have a baby with Samuel L. Jackson, but Samuel L. Jackson has been kidnapped, and so she asks Ryan Reynolds to help her. But as he says, look, look, I'm not bodyguarding, I'm on hiatus, which is kind of a running joke throughout the whole film. So he doesn't, uh, I, I think he only picks up a gun in the last kind of section of the film. And there are lots of kind of running jokes about that. There's a running joke about, uh, um, about Salma Hayek's, um, uh, anger and uh yeah that's quite funny but there's very little really unfortunately to kind of um get excited about the thing is is that so much is happening on screen there's lots of action sequences and there's car chases and there's explosions and there's guns going off and but you don't become engaged by it at all and so on a number of t- occasions when watching the film, I was thinking, why am I not getting engaged here? And it's simply because you don't really care about the the characters. You don't really. They're not actually the nicest characters at all. And the other thing that annoyed me about it was collateral damage, where innocent people get killed. And they make jokes about it. For example, there's a sequence on a bridge where an oil tanker explodes. And the two boys go, well, I hope the driver's okay. But he's it, not because they've been responsible for him dying, and they make a joke about it. And it's a, 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 a kind of a running joke again later, where two uh, kind of good guys uh, who work for Interpol, they too die, and the two boys make a joke about it again. And um, so there's a lot of kind of lazy writing here, unfortunately. And I wasn't excited by it at all. In fact, I was bored throughout most of it. my afraid.
3: OK, well, that's disappointing to hear. Uh, well, out of 10, so how much would you give this, Mark?
8: I'd give it four, maybe, oh, for the so locations, yeah. It the trailer like very, might sell very very
3: it more so than than what the film is worth, so you reckon?
8: It's very, very disappointing, oh, yeah. yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I found it quite tedious, uh, which is odd, considering so much is happening. Um, but again, I think it's just lazy writing, really.
3: All right, four of the ten, so for the hitman's wife's bodyguard. And then the other movie is Freaky. Tell us about this one.
8: Uh, This is from Blumhouse Movies, and uh, they are this organization that make very, very kind of small kind of horror movies. They're small budget, but they don't look, uh, small budget. They actually look very, very good indeed. They look expensive. And um, and that's all down to the people that uh, work in Bloomhouse. I mean, these are directors who really know what they're doing and they really know what they're talking about. I mean, Bloomhouse over the last few years have brought us a lot of very, very entertaining uh, um, horror movies like the, the, the remake of ha- Halloween. They brought us Paranormal Activity. They brought us The Invisible Man, which I like very much indeed. Uh, the Hunt, which I like very much indeed as well. Uh, their films, though, are not necessarily kind of original. I mean, The Invisible Man was a They've made loads of Invisible Man movies over the years. Uh, The Happy Death Day, for example, was kind of Groundhog Day. And what they've done with this one is this is kind of one of these kind of uh, body swap movies, uh, like Freaky Friday, which is one of the reasons why it's called Freaky. And the difference here is that a teenage girl swaps the body of a killer, and the killer here is played by six foot five, Vince Vaughn. And it's extraordinary. It really is. I mean, it only cost about $5 million to make, but they managed to make these films look so good. And the thing about the, the violence, I'm not a great horror fan, but there is something about this organization, about these Blumhouse guys, who really, really seem to know what they're doing. They get really, really good actors, very, very young actors who are very, very good indeed. And they just seem to produce movies that are very clever. Now, they do reference Kind of historically, a lot of other movies and 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 horror movies, but they do it in such a really, really, really clever way. And here we have this extraordinary view of six foot five Vince Vaughn playing a teenage girl. And thankfully, now Vince, it has to be said, some of his most recent material hasn't been great. But here you can, you just know he's having a ball. You know he's having a great, uh, great fun here. Uh, one of the criticisms of the film is basically um, is that. Is, is the tone, because the violence is extraordinary. I mean, they do come up with some extraordinary ways to kill people. And I had to look away uh, quite a number of times. But at the same time, you have this incredibly light tone of Vince Vaughn pretending to be a teenage girl, which is really, really funny. But for me, it worked. For me, I was really, really entertained by it. And it is scary and gory at times. Uh, but it's very, very clever. Catherine Newton plays uh, the young teenager. I think she is a name for the future. And she's terrific, as are most of the cast. And, but, uh, it's well worth watching for Vince Vaughn. Now, if you don't like gore, it's not for you. If you don't like horror movies, it's probably not for you. I think it's got a 15, sir. Um, but anybody over 15, if you like this kind of thing, if you like, uh, these Blumhouse movies and you like what they've done in the past, and if you like Happy Taste Day, because we have the same writers here and the same director, it's very clever. It's funny and it's disgusting and it's scary and uh, I really liked it and I don't normally like uh, horror movies but Blumhouse seemed to make the type of horror movie uh, that I find very entertaining.
3: Okay, well it does sound, as you say, it sounds interesting, it sounds good and uh, I think a lot of people sometimes like those kind of movies and and like the way they portray them when there's a bit of a a comic relief in the film as well. Freaky, out of 10 Mark, what would you give Uh, this for a rating? uh,
8: I give it a healthy 9
3: oh wow that's good 9 out of 10 ok so Freaky 9 out of 10 and Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard 4 out of 10 Mark uh, thank you for that and we'll chat to you, you next right. week talk to you then take care thanks Mark the movie review on C103 with the Cinemax Bantry
1: get back to the real cinematic experience
3: and earlier on, Mike and Bantry asking about was it legal for cyclists to be on footpaths and Trisha and Blackpool giving her experience of what happened to her this morning. But a texter here says, if cyclists must use footpaths, they should walk beside their bikes not to be a nuisance to pedestrians. And they are a nuisance to drivers on the road, says this texter, uh, since everybody has to slow down and then there's a danger of overtaking them, uh, especially if you're going around the bends. A cyclist is in your way of a passage and then that can be dangerous also. Uh, but on the issue of cyclists, psych- cycle lanes this texter says it's stupid making cycle lanes that don't roll in the full distance to their destination it's crazy it's hard enough for motorists and vehicles without having to watch out for cyclists and then cyclists to judge when the lane ends uh, you're watching the cyclists the cyclists are watching the lane ending the motorists are watching the road and the lane ending so uh, it just doesn't work out and this texter who I would imagine by the tone isn't a fan of cyclists says they have no road manners either uh, that's on text 0862103103 something we may be Up on on the show next week. That's it from me today and indeed this week. Uh, Thanks to you. Been a really busy week on the show. Thanks to you for all your calls and comments. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced on the show across the week. Uh, Patricia Messenger returns on Monday after her summer break. She's back Monday morning from 10 with Cork Today. So enjoy your weekend. I'm John Paul McNamara. Have a good Friday.
0: Normally being a little extra can be a bit much.